And now I want to welcome our fabulous pastor up to the stage. And I want to also, last bit of encouragement. Randy asked me this morning if I was how I was doing, and I said, fine, fine. And he's like, if you really weren't, would you tell me? And I was like, no. <laughs> so again, you're in a safe place with someone that fosters the Father's heart so well. Thank you for pastoring us all with great love. Thanks, Sarah. That's great. <laughs> I have to admit, I just used one of my standard lines on you. A lot of times when I'm out, you know, you're shopping or something, and you, you, know, you talk to the checkout person, you say, how are you doing? They say, fine. I often say, would you tell me otherwise if, you know, if that was the case? And most of them say, no, I wouldn't be allowed to. But occasionally, you'll find one that, you know, right under fine is real. If you just ask another question sometimes. I'm not saying we should all be weeping at the checkout, but... <coughs> Do you know what that feels like? You're fine until someone actually looks at you with love, and then you realize how you really are. Um, I think we're meant to be that in the world, a safe place for people to encounter God. Um, I will just one uh, explanation. Sarah mentioned she's a part of our lamb ministry. That is not the farm that we own. That's love after marriage. Um, we don't own a farm. Uh, Love After Marriage, which will be happening hopefully in December-ish or January-ish. Yeah, uh, February. January, said the couple that's leading it. January, February, January, February. Awesome. Okay. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> if you weren't. <laughs> uh, oh, about 35 years ago, Jane and I had gotten married, and we were in a church. We were preparing to become missionaries. That's what we thought we were going to do for the rest of our lives. And um, we were in this missionary <coughs> training group at a, at a Presbyterian church where we were attending and I was on staff. And um, I remember one of the times we got together, it was like Missions 101, how to be a missionary. And we're like ready, like how to learn the language, you know, sleep in the dirt, eat grub worms and stuff like that. And I remember the person saying, you want to be a missionary, you want to be a sent one from God. Answer your phone. Open your, and respond to your mail, open your door. And that hit me hard because <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> I want to be a missionary somewhere else, not right here. Maybe things have changed a little bit because we haven't answered our home phone in about two years. Because if someone's calling our home phone, they don't have our cell phone, which means we don't know them, right? Most of our mail is 90% anyway junk and advertising. And many of us, if we're honest don't see our front doors because we click the button, drive in, click the button, go in, and that's how we enter and, and leave our neighborhoods. So it, it's hard to just apply that 1986 version of how to be a missionary 101, but I think it remains our calling as the people of God who carry the presence of God in the world to be the people that, G, that you know, to be the Jesus that people see in our neighborhoods and in our lives. We want to be missionaries. The word just means sent one. You know, mission is uh, missio from the Latin and apostolos, like post office from the Greek. It just means a sent one, one commissioned with the gospel. And each and every one of us are one of those. Whether you learned another language or live in another place, you are a person in Christ sent by God to the world. So we're finishing this morning this series called Mission. 
uh, in the book of Acts, the mission of God. And we've been talking about what did it look like for the early church to give away the love and the power of God, to continue the mission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. What did that look like? And so this morning, I want to go to the very end of the book, the last two verses of Acts chapter 28. So if you have a Bible, please crack it open, turn it on, navigate to that place. Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. And we're going to see the great Apostle Paul going to the world by staying in his house. Does that sound dramatic? Does that sound dramatic? No, it doesn't. Okay. Let's read. If you want to stand while we read the scriptures, Acts 28, 30 to 31. This is God's word to us this morning. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's pray. God, we ask that um, you'd release the Holy Spirit among us this morning that we might understand this scripture, see its application to our lives, and receive the power to stay and thus be missionaries, sent ones to the world in which you've put us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So I, I really just want to look at these two verses. I want to look at the three activities that the great apostle Paul spent his last two years, at least the last two years that we know of, Acts ends kind of, you know, mysteriously. It's like, and then there was Paul, and he had a house, and he did this, and all done. And then you just kind of wonder. And I wonder if the reason that the Holy Spirit lets us wonder about the end of Acts is because the Acts of the Holy Spirit were never meant to end. We continue the mission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at three activities that Paul committed himself to at the end of his life. Um, warning, Greek words will be involved, but they won't hurt. We see right at the beginning, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He stayed, he was a missionary by staying in his own house, and he welcomed all who came to him. The Greek word for welcome means to receive or, listen to this, to accept with joy. Doesn't that sound like the definition of hospitality? Paul accepted with joy every single person that came to him. It doesn't say here they were believers, unbelievers, seekers, angry people. He had plenty of enemies. It just says Paul stayed there and he welcomed, he accepted with joy every single person that God ordained to come and to see him. There's a very special Greek word in this sentence. The word pos, it means all. But in the deep meaning of the word, it means all. That Paul welcomed all who came to see him. I mean, you, when you read the, the, the life of the Apostle Paul, you can see that Paul wasn't the type to be afraid of anyone. He, he wasn't the type to, to hold back because of discomfort. 
the, the attitude of the Holy Spirit within Paul was to welcome all, everyone, the whole, any and every that God brought to him during that time. Paul was present to everyone who came to him. One of the best gifts we give to the world, believer and unbeliever, is our presence. To simply be. And that's how God has blessed us. He blessed us with his presence. He is with us. And the way that we bless the world is we bless the world with our very presence. I, I love that baby. I don't mind that baby's amens. Paul was present to all who came to him. Um, St. Benedict lived roughly 6th century. He wrote a rule for his monks. This became sort of the standard rule for monasteries all across the, um, the world. And even today, many, many people living a religious life, a vocationally religious life, follow this rule. It's called the rule of St. Benedict. He named it after himself. And this is what he says in chapter 53, the rule of St. Benedict. Let all guests who arrive be received like Christ. For he is going to say, I came as a guest and you received me. I've said it before. It's why um, Benedictine monks bow to one another when they see each other. Because they're saying, Jesus is in you and I bow to Christ in you. They're saying, I honor the creator that lives within you that gives you life and breath. Our world could do with a little honor like that these days. To be able to see someone and say, I welcome you. You know, believer, I see Jesus in you. Unbeliever, I see the image of God in you. And he goes on, and to all let due honor be shown, especially to the domestics of the faith. In other words, uh, people that you know know the Lord and to pilgrims. We, We don't have a lot of pilgrims these days. Except that our world is filled with pilgrims. People seeking encounter with the divine. Who in your life is not seeking encounter with the divine, whether they know it or not? They're looking to last. They're trying to figure out, what, you know, why am I here in this world? What does all this mean? Every person we meet is seeking God, whether they know it or not. I mean, I truly believe that. That the harshest, hardest, externally gruff, angry person that you meet or work with or live with or are is seeking God because they're seeking life in the mess of their life. They're, th- they're seeking life, capital L, in the mess of their life, little l. They're looking for God. So the question is, where are they going to find God? The, the answer is you. They are going to find God in you. How is Jesus showing up in your life today? Don't take this as a condemnation or an accusation. Just take this as an invitation to sort of scan your life with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus showing up in your life as someone to be welcomed, as part of the all? Who has God sent into your life on purpose that they might see Christ in you? Let, I mean, let's, let's not skip it. Let's just take 20 seconds. Close your eyes. Let's pray. God, would you open our eyes internally? Help us to see. Would you highlight a person, a family, a child, 
a loved one. Jesus, how are you coming into our lives to be welcomed? We continue the mission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit by welcoming all the people that God brings to us by our presence. So what was it that Paul was doing in his welcome? So he welcomed all. Was it just like all tea and cookies or like what else was going on when Paul let these people into his home? Number two, it says he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He welcomed all who came to him and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. The Greek word for proclaim just means to be a herald, basically a news announcer, the town crier, the person who just delivers the facts. Now, I know that may be hard to find on the newscast these days, <laughs> depending on where you look and how you feel about all that. But what, what the Holy Spirit's saying to us is that what Paul did is he just acted as a news reporter. He just said, here are the facts. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He told everyone who came the best possible news. Paul was a gossip. Um, our friend Mary Lou Beeson, many of you know Mary Lou. Mary Lou used to say, we gossip the gospel. Mary Lou still says that. She just says it in Kansas City because that's where she lives now. We gossip the gospel. When we're proclaiming the kingdom of God, what we're really doing is telling somebody else's story, right? You know how sometimes people ask you a question about someone else, you say, that's not my story to tell. That would be gossip. Paul was gossiping the gospel. He was telling the story of Jesus. That's what it means to proclaim the kingdom, to just simply tell the story of Jesus, to tell his story. To gossip to whoever wants to, I mean, you know what it feels like when you have a juicy tidbit of information? Come on, give me something here. You know what it feels like. Like, man, I just want to tell. I just want them to know that I know. I'm in the in crowd. And I think that the Apostle Paul probably had that giddy feeling of the next person who walks in, I'm going to tell them all about his story. I'm going to tell them all about Jesus. I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them what's happened. They'll never believe it. A king who would die and come back to life and give life to everyone that he created. That's an unbelievable story. He proclaimed the kingdom. The kingdom, Greek word for that, just means kingship, dominion, rule, the territory subject to the rule of a king. Basically, what Paul said over and over about Jesus is he is Lord. That was, the, that was the essence of the gospel that he communicated. He gossiped about Jesus. This was no regular guy. He's the Lord. Jesus is Lord was the, the, the faith affirmation of the early church. And it was not a trendy thing to put on your bumper or to wear a shirt about. It got you killed. Jesus is Lord, is basically saying, I am the insurrection. I'm here to, to, to subvert this kingdom that Caesar says he has because there's another king. Jesus is Lord. That got you in prison. 
that got you killed. And that was Paul's big story. Jesus is king. That's the juicy news. He said it over and over and over again, proclaiming the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God was not external to Paul. The kingdom of God was not like Paul would say, there's a kingdom, there's a king, there's a rule. If you go down, you go up 69, take a right, you know, you'll find the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God was within him. Luke 17, 21, Jesus says it. You know, you don't point, there's the kingdom, there's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. Those are the words of the king. The kingdom of God is within you. So we continue the ministry of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit by proclaiming, by just being the news reporter of this amazing story that there is a king. That that king rules whether you want to live under his rule or not. It's up to you. There are consequences of each decision. But that that king rules in love and with grace. That there is a king, but he is a beneficent ruler like you've never seen in any land or experienced at any time. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom that Paul was proclaiming to every single person that God brought to him. Whether they wanted to hear it or didn't want to hear it, the answer to every question, I think, for Paul was some form of Jesus is Lord. So who in your life right now wants or needs to hear the best news ever? Who, who in your life right now needs some good news? Good news that's, that's deeper than you don't have to wear a mask when you go into Aldi's. Good news that's just a little bit deeper than, hey, it's summertime. I, you know, I can go to the movies. Who in your life needs to, need, needs to hear the news that your life can be changed because your sin can be forgiven and your brokenness can be healed? I, mean, I need to hear that good news today. Every one of us needs to hear that good news. We can proclaim the good news to ourselves, and as we believe it, we give it away to the world. We don't have to preach with the Bible. We don't have to pound. We don't have to accuse. We, we must not condemn Otherwise, we're siding with the enemy. But we get to show the love of this Jesus King. What a privilege. And we get to do it to every single person who God brings under our path. We continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit by proclaiming the kingdom of God by our proclamation. And then the scripture says he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he proclaimed the kingdom. He's kind of telling his story. And then he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably Paul using his gift of teaching to help people understand this is what he did. This is what he did to me. This is the change in my life. This is why I say I'm a new creation. Because this was the impact of Jesus the king in my personal life. You realize there's three times in the book of Acts that we get like the whole story of Paul's conversion. Do you think Paul's just looking for airtime? Like, you know, trying to up his Google search, you know, just get my name out there a lot. No, I think that the Holy Spirit preserves 
oh, three times in the book of Acts the testimony of Paul because the most powerful testimony about Jesus is your encounter with Jesus. What is more powerful, you know, in marketing than a personal example, a before and an after picture? I mean, we're suckers for those, aren't we? We're like, man, you mean my shower could look like that and now it could look like that? That's amazing. I'll buy it. Paul talked about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just look at the three words. He talked about the Lord. He is Lord, one sent to rule in righteousness. What he told about Jesus was Paul's personal story about what it looks like for Jesus to be Lord in my life. He is Lord, and this is what it looks like. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name was Jesus. They would have known it then, harder for us to remember, that the name Jesus means God saves. So when Paul was uh, welcoming all of these people and proclaiming the kingdom, he wasn't just saying there is a king who rules. He was saying that king can save you. There's a way out of your mess. There's life possible in the death that you're walking around in because Jesus saves. God saves through him. And he says he, was, he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ just means anointed one. So Paul is gossiping the good news that there is a king, that that king can save you, and that he is the one that was chosen to redeem you from your sin, to, to adopt you into his family. And I think Paul is saying, this was no normal man. This was the chosen one, the, the one that God chose to reveal himself to people through, the very Son of God. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke from Acts 17, um, where Paul is speaking to unbelievers in Athens, and he says, you know, that God has determined the exact times and the places that all people would live and he did that so that people would seek him and possibly find him, though, though he's near to everyone. And that's where Paul quotes the poet and says, For in him you live and move and have your being. God has determined your workplace, your church family, your neighborhood, your school, your family unit, your extended family unit. And one of the reasons he's done that is so that people would seek him and find him. We don't have to worry. The Bible says he is very near to them. Where is he in their life? He's in you. He, he's in me. When I go back into my neighborhood this afternoon, Jesus drives into my neighborhood. I mean, that... I, it just is kind of a convicting thing, you know. You just kind of think of yourself as a normal person walking around until you recognize that you carry the presence of God. And that as, as, as much as people might dismiss you, they have no idea what they're walking by when they walk by you. They are walking by the king of the universe because he's within you. The clearest teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ is how he came to you 
and saved you. The most powerful proclamation of the kingdom is your encounter with the kingdom. So what's your story? If proclamation of the kingdom is gossiping about Jesus and his story, then teaching about Jesus or testimony or persuasion is you telling your story. I'm so thankful that as a college student, the campus ministry I was involved in forced me under threat of death to develop my personal testimony, my personal three-minute testimony. Because I learned how to succinctly communicate to another person, here's where I was, here's how I met Jesus and what he did, and here's how I am now. And, and I learned how to do that. I did it in strange ways. I, I had a juggling testimony I used to do and juggle things and make funny stuff, you know. But the most important thing I communicated in my personal testimony as a college student was, you know, I used to be one who wanted to fit in everywhere because I felt so insecure. And then Jesus found me and loved me just as I am. And now I have a confidence that I could never imagine. Not a perfection, not a pride or presumption, but a confidence because he chose me. He adopted me. He took me. He accepted me in the beloved. There's just nothing like your personal testimony. This is who Jesus is in my life. This is what Jesus has done. A person can see your life and see your presence. A person can hear the story of Jesus through your life, hear your proclamation. But what has the most impact on any person is when they hear your story about Jesus. That's what brings persuasion. That's what really convinces. It's one thing to read a book about something that happened to someone. It's another, one, it's another thing to meet a person who said, this was me. John chapter 9. You know, Jesus uh, heals the man born blind. He was blind from birth. And Jesus, um, Jesus heals him. Just blammo, you know. He couldn't see and now he can see. And it creates quite a stir because he did it on the Sabbath, which is no-no in the time, to the religious leaders. And so the man's neighbors ask him, you know, what happened? And the man says, John chapter 9, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. Mud sales went way up right after that. Made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. That's his big gospel presentation. This is what happened when I met Jesus. And so they, they ask him, now, where is this Jesus? And, he's, and he goes, I don't know where the guy is. So they take him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are all up in arms, and they tell him, you know, this man was healed by Jesus. He couldn't see, and now he can see. And so the Pharisees are all angry about it. So the Pharisees go to this guy's parents and say, what happened? And the parents basically say, he's our son, he couldn't see, and now he can see. Why are you asking us? He's an adult. So they go to the, to the guy again. The Pharisees bring him up again, and they say, this terrible person healed on the Sabbath. You know, what the gall that he has, you know. Tell us what happened. He, he sinned. He sh he's a sinner. And the man just says this. I don't know about all that. I mean, literally, he says, I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know if he's a sinner. I don't know anything. I just know I was blind, and I can see. That's his testimony. That's all he's got. 
we see from the rest of the story, he doesn't even know the Lord yet. He had not yet believed, but he's already sharing his story about Jesus. And what's the story? Big theological, powerful argument for the existence of God and why you should come to Jesus. I was blind, and now I can see. That's a good message. Every single one of us owns that message. Every single one of us. And in many cases, if we're honest, we get healed of blindness every single day by the Lord as he continues to reveal himself and who he is and how much he loves us. We continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit by teaching others about him. We persuade people, not with fancy words, but with our personal testimony. I was blind, and now I see. All right, we got three nice verbs, welcome, proclaim, and teach. I turned them, if you didn't notice, into three sweet Ps, presence, proclamation, persuasion. Did you see how I did that? How did he do this? What what was the manner? We've got content, but what was the manner in which the Apostle Paul welcomed all people, proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ? It It goes on. We'll just read it again. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul wasn't an all-or-nothing type of guy. Paul was an all-and-nothing type of guy. All boldness, no hindrance. And I don't see any reason that God has not called us to be the same type of people. All boldness, it comes from God anyway, no hindrance. The word for boldness means boldness, confidence, openly, plainly, freedom in speaking, unreserved in speech, without ambiguity, you know, no waffling, or without circumlocution. I didn't know what the word circumlocution meant, so I looked it up. You know what circumlocution is? It's using a whole bunch of words to communicate something that doesn't need that many words because you really don't want to be understood. That one got me. The other ones I was good with, but like circumlocution, isn't it easy to sort of just spinning, you know, but what it's really hard to get to is when you say to the person, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He changed my life. If you met him, he would change yours. Would you like to know him? Circumlocution is other stuff. Paul welcomed, proclaimed, and taught without any of that. He did it with all boldness. And here's the the last um, little phrase that describes this Greek word, cheerful courage. Isn't that beautiful? Cheerful courage. That's what all boldness means, cheerful courage. I mean, you can just see that, right? There's like, should be a cartoon character called cheerful courage. You can just imagine it's, I don't know, a mouse or something. When I saw that definition of boldness, cheerful courage, it made me think of Psalm 51, where, you know, David's writing, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
And I wonder if one of the hindrances that we have in our welcoming and proclaiming and teaching about Jesus is that we've lost the joy of God's salvation. We've, we've leaned into duty as communicators of the gospel and forgotten the delight of the king over our own lives, the joy that was ours when first we realized I was blind and now I see. And I, I think that's an invitation for us this morning that some of us can just go right back to the Savior and say, Jesus, I've lost the joy of your salvation. Do you have some more of that? Could you give it to me again? Could you restore my joy? It says he's, he, he did that with all boldness and with no hindrance. There was nothing in the way. And so maybe as we close here, a couple of questions to help you listen to the Holy Spirit in your own life. What is it that hinders your welcome of people? Again, we're not looking for condemning words here. We're looking for the loving Holy Spirit who says, what is it that hinders your presence in the lives of other people? What hinders your proclamation of the gospel? What, what hinders you from gossiping the gospel, the good news? What, what is it? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it just busyness? Is it unbelief? Can you be honest if it is? What hinders your persuasion? What hinders your testimony? What hinders me? Let's just make it personal. What hinders me? from just communicating lovingly with the people around me the ongoing work of Jesus in my own life? Is it pride? You know, a lot of my neighbors, obviously, I mean, I know my neighbors, they know me, they know I'm a pastor. And sometimes when talking to my neighbors, talking about real life, it's really hard for me to want to admit that I struggle, especially with sin, because I'm afraid of what they'll think. I'm a pastor. And then I, and then I realize... I think I'm afraid of what they think about the wrong person. If I was perfect, would I need this Jesus I'm proclaiming? What the heck is the gospel anyway? Yeah, I still struggle. It's hard. But Jesus is a king, and he loves me, and he lives in me, and he's changing me day by day. Is it possible that what you think is a hindrance in your life to welcome to proclamation, to teaching, presence, proclamation, persuasion? Is it possible that what you think is a hindrance is actually a catapult, is actually an invitation, is actually an opportunity? If they would know the truth about me and how Jesus is coming to that right now, would they see Jesus? Yes, they would. Jane and I walk a lot. We like to walk. We walk around our neighborhood. We've walked around our neighborhood 87 million times, I have no idea, in 19 years, how many times we have passed these 101 homes in our neighborhood. And um, recently, there's been a young man that walks at least as much as we do. He might be 17, 18 years old. And we just kept running into him because we walk this way and he walks this way. And so finally, we realized, God, what the heck are you doing? You know, we, finally, we stop him. Hey, my name's Randy. He says, my name is Name. And, um, and we strike up a conversation, and we realize 
something's going on. Something, you know, something's not completely all connected. But he's a really lovable, really engaging kid. And, um, and it's just been fun to get to know him. The, the other day we were walking, and, and Jane, because she's the welcoming one of the two of us, Jane says, hey, you want to walk with us? And he just looks real seriously. He says, no, I'm walking this way. <laughs> like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? So we start to think, maybe we should walk the other way. Then we got to catch up or let him catch up. I don't know how it works, you know. So um, just this last week, we, are, we, we have a, a group that, you know, a small group that meets at our house on Thursday nights. And we weren't sure if we were going to be inside or outside. So we're walking around. We run into this kid going the other direction. And Jane says, hey, we're having a group at our house on Thursday. We might be outside, like, worshiping and singing. You can just come on by, and I'll just be honest. You know, honest pastor, turn off the tape right here. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> How awkward is this going to be if he walks into our group? Like, it'll mess up my icebreaker question. <laughs> How can he worship if he doesn't know Jesus? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and then I realize, and I'm, I'm not doing it for dramatic effect. This is just... This is real life, right? I realize, what is more important, my comfort or his soul? When you get down to it. I mean, God placed him there. God appointed the place that he would live. 19 years ago, God plopped us in that neighborhood. How is he ever going to see and meet the king who loves him and has redeemed him if the king chooses in me to walk by every time. So pray for him. I won't give you his name. I'll just say pray for him. And pray for me while you're at it. Let's stand. The uh, ministry team can come forward and someone wants to play nice music. God's continuing the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit through you and through me, through us. We are the ongoing story of the book of Acts. The mission of God continues and we're the missionaries. We are the sent ones. Could you own that today? I'm a sent one. I'm one sent by God into the world. And for me right now, going means staying in my house and welcoming every person who comes in my sphere, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, giving my testimony, my personal story about Jesus, doing it with cheerful courage and without any hindrance. So let's just pray. God, you uh, are here, present among us by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you speak now to us? Use these words of truth from the scripture. Show us the people of peace who are looking for life in the midst of the mess of their life.
Give us cheerful courage again, God. Restore the joy of our salvation. The bubbling, can't wait to tell excitement of redemption brand new. And Lord, any hindrance that we've put or placed or that we've allowed the enemy to erect in the space where we're called to just simply tell our story. I was blind, but now I see. Holy Spirit, come. Come now, Holy Spirit, not just in this moment of emotion, but this afternoon when we're walking, tomorrow when we're at the store, when we go to work, when we go to school, this evening when we see our parents or our children or our relatives. Holy Spirit, come. Let the kingdom of God come down upon us. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll just encourage you as you consider leaving now that you respond. You don't have to go through all five points of my message, but respond to the Lord. What's he saying to you about a person? What's he saying to you about the gospel of the kingdom? What's he saying to you about your own testimony? How is he giving you cheerful courage? What does he want to do to, to get rid of hindrance in your life? And if you'd like someone to pray for you, come on forward. we got a well-trained ministry team. They will not counsel you. They will just go to the king with you and see what the king wants to do in and through your life. So if you'd like someone to pray for you for any need, physical, emotional, spiritual, please come forward. Otherwise, you're welcome to stay and just be in God's presence or to greet one another or to go in the power of the Holy Spirit with the mission of Jesus. Amen.